Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you. Happy Sunday. I don't know if you know this, but today is the last Sunday of September. Uh, And I don't know if you know what that means, but uh, it means it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. You guys know I'm talking about it. Everywhere you go, Starbucks got the red cup. You got friends wearing scarves and hoodies. Uh, The other day I walked into Home Depot, Jeff, took one step in, looked to my left. I saw a 20-foot skeleton staring right back at me. Uh, And then I I took a look to the right, and it was rows of Christmas trees, cute little deer and stuff. And I don't know about you, I went right that day. I don't know. Halloween decorations are getting crazy nowadays, man. I went right. There's a little sermon in that, but I don't have time for that today. My name is David White. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, man, we would love to meet you. My wife is right over there. She is a beautiful woman. Make sure to say hi later. We have two little kids. They're in the back. They're playing around. Um, and man, it is such a joy to be here with you today. Um, we moved into the area a couple years ago. And I don't know why, but whenever I introduce myself or say hello to somebody, they take one look at me and they say, where in Riverstone do you live? And I just got to settle it right now. I don't live in Riverstone, okay? I don't live in Riverstone. I learned early on there's some cultural norms out here in Madeira Ranchos. I was buying something at uh, State Foods and talking to this old gentleman, and he's like, he's probably assuming I'm a Riverstone kid. And I'm like, no, I don't live in Riverstone. All of a sudden, this guy became the nicest man I've ever met in my life. I don't know. Do we have any Riverstone folk here today? We, uh, yeah, Heather's here. We lo- Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, we love you guys. You're welcome. We don't care what they say about you. We love you. You're not stealing our water. We're sharing it. <laughs> we live in Rolling Hills. Does anybody know where Rolling Hills is? Yeah. The average age is about 107, I think, at Rolling Hills. Any Rolling Hills folks? They're still sleeping. Oh, yeah, my friends. Yeah, I invited the youngest people I knew, and they showed up. Uh, But Rolling Hills, that's where my wife and I, we live. And again, we're still trying to figure out the cultural norms of Madeira Ranchos. We know one thing, Riverstone, the the, the originals, they're still accepting us. Rolling Hills, we're kind of like, we're kind of like the redheaded cousin who's like not invited to the family gatherings, but we just show up anyway. Kind of like how a lot of us show up at your playgrounds, right, at Riverstone. But there's, there's some royalty. I don't know if you guys ever knew this. There are some ranchos royalty out here. So like here it is. If you live in actual Merdero ranchos or in the Bonadelli ranchos, those two, they're like equal. They're like they're like, they're, they're the king and queens of the ranchos. And if you've lived there for most of your life, 
You are royalty in these parts. Anybody here? Like anybody who's like, yeah, that's me. I live in that area. Yeah, come on. Oh, everyone's all bashful. They're like, yeah. Yes, they're, they're raising their hand loud because your name is plastered all over Avenue 12 out there. It's like these people bow. And then right after, in second place, right? So uh, we have Riverstone, or sorry, we have, no, sorry, they're down there. Uh, we have uh, Ran- Madeira Ranchos. We have Bonadelli Ranchos in second place. Rolling Hills. I'm throwing myself out there. We're in second place right there because I got to check with you guys. You guys are the royalty. I identify as a ranchos guy. When I'm saying hi to friends, especially in Fresno, I'm like trying to explain, you know, the boats and all that, you know. I'm like, I live in Madera Ranchos. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, we know, we get it. So I'm just identifying. So second place right there, right there. In third place, in the hierarchy of Madeira ranchos, so we have, you know, third place, I would say, like, the actual Madeira people, like, from the town Madeira. We accept them. Like, is there any Madeira people who live in Madeira? They come here? Yeah. There was a whole group in first service. They all sat in the corner over there. They're like, yeah, go coyotes. And I'm like telling you, so third place. In fourth place. Fresno, Fresno, yeah, Fresno, yeah. So, hey, it's those country folk that they, we live in the city, but, you know, we, we actually, we, we, we go to church in the ranchos. That, like, we accept those people because one day you're going to be out here. You'll be moving out here. And once you move out here, you don't move back. And then after Fresno, yeah, right, <laughs> Las Vegas. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. After Fresno, then it's the Riverstone folk and Tesoro. Any Tesoro people here? No, there's a sign outside that says no Tesoro allowed in these parts. Anyway, we're still trying to get the, the, the understanding of how we run things out here in Madeira Ranchos, but, but on, a, on, a, on a more serious note, my wife and I, we, we, we have moved out here. Um, we, we attend this church and we are uh, we, are, we, we are so privileged to be here in this community for our kids to go to these schools. We truly believe that the Lord is moving the hearts, deepening the faith of the people here at Flipside. Not only to influence and impact the ranchos, but beyond, but also we believe that life change is happening in this place. And that's what we want to be around. We want to raise our kids in a place like this. And so it's an honor. It's an honor for me to be here at this church, to live in this community. And it is a privilege to to fill in for Pastor Carl. We know he's out of town today. He might just be one of this generation's greatest Bible teachers. I'll tell you what, we are blessed. He's with his wife and, and kids, I believe, uh, out of town. And you know what? Actually, I'm just feeling, would you guys just pray with me? Father, I just ask that you would bless Carl and Michelle this morning, that they would have peace, that they would be renewed. I just pray that your presence would be on them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
So we've been walking through this series called Unstoppable. And that word is pretty cool. It, 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 it literally means like, I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what's happening in front of me. Like I'm unstoppable. Nobody's going to stop me from getting there. And I was reading an article earlier this week. And it said 30 ways to live an unstoppable life. And I sat there and I thought, I thought, you know, it's actually kind of true. I, I actually think everybody deep down want to be unstoppable at some things. Like we want to be that guy or that gal who's like, man, that person right there, they are unstoppable. They are an amazing mom. They're an amazing employee. That guy runs his business. Man, he's unstoppable. And so I feel like, like there's this like itch that makes each and every one of us want to be unstoppable. I was reading this article, and it said, number one, number one, how to, be, how to live an un, uh, uh, unstoppable life was focus. It was focus. Meaning, when your focus is set, you are unstoppable. It made me think about gymnastics. Can I have your help really quick, bud? Uh, it made me think about gymnastics. I don't know if we have any gymnasts in the house. Uh, yeah, oh, I heard a little whoop whoop. We have a gymnast in the house, but I brought this balance beam. And it made me think of this. It made me think of this. Thank you, my friend. It made me think about this because if you've ever been on a balance beam, the coaches, they coach you. They say, when you're on a balance beam, you're not supposed to look at your feet. You're not supposed to look in the crowd, try to find mom over there. You're not supposed to look at your friends. You're supposed to focus on a fixed object. And you're supposed to walk straight and focused on that same thing. And it made me think about being unstoppable. I was at V-Force. It's a gymnastics gym right over there in Rolling Hills. And uh, there was a little toddler, probably about four or five years old, and she was on this little balance beam. And the coach, it was so cool, man. The coach was like snapping around her head, clapping, hey, hey, trying to get her attention. And he was coaching her that as she's on this balance beam, don't worry about all that distraction. Don't worry about all this noise. I want you to stay focused. And this little girl, it was so cool, man. She was just walking. Four, five. My point in all of this is that we're walking through a series called Unstoppable. And it's a study of the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a picture of some people, this early, ancient group of people that were so focused. They were so engaged. They were so committed to Jesus that the world couldn't stop them. The world could not stop them from growing, from doing miracles, from changing the world. And today, we have the honor to look at Acts chapter 7. Some people call this 
the chapter in the Bible that is probably the most pivotal moment in the history of Christians. Some people say Acts chapter seven is probably the most influential chapter in the history of the world because it's actually the first time ever that there's a guy that gets killed because his focus is so clear. My little point today, and I just want to make it just pretty easy. When your focus is on the kingdom of God, you are unstoppable. If you have a Bible or a phone, or if you just want to follow along up here, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 7 today. And if you would, go and flip over there with me. But before we jump in, God, we love you. Thank you for for this opportunity to be in your word with a group of people to learn more about you. Father, I just pray that you would um, open our ears, that we would hear you clearly. I pray that you would speak through me, that these wouldn't be my words, but that they would be yours. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we jump in, Acts chapter 7 starts with this one line. And it starts like this. The high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? And so in order for us to even move any further, we got to understand who's Stephen? And what has he been charged with? It's kind of like the opening scene of a movie and there's this guy and the fingers in his face are saying, hey, is is what they're saying, is it true? And we don't know a whole lot about Stephen, but we do know a couple things. If you were here last week, we we got to learn a little bit about this guy, Stephen. But let's let's look. In Acts chapter six, it describes Stephen like this. It says they chose Stephen. There was this moment where they were trying to choose people. They were trying to like, choose seven people to help out in the church. And it says, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then a little bit later in verse 8, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, he performed great wonders and signs among the people. And that's all we know. This character, the main character of our movie, we don't know nothing about him except that he was full of the Holy Spirit, that he was full of grace and of power. We know nothing about his personal life. We don't know if the guy is married. We don't know if he's tall or short. We don't know if he's educated. We don't know if he's older or younger. We don't know if he has kids. We don't know hardly anything about, we don't even know where this guy lives. He could live in Riverstone for all we know. We don't know. But all we know is that he was full of God. And I, I want to pause here for just a second. There's a whole lot of things in my life that I want to be good at. I want to be a great husband to my wife. 
I want to be a good dad to my kids. I want to be a good worker. I want to be able to to be a a good son. I want to be able to be a good friend. I want to be able to just do a lot of good stuff first. But if I'm honest with you, none of that matters. I want my grandkids, my great-grandkids, I want them to remember David as, and that man, that man was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of God. And, and I just want to pause right here and say, out of all the things we could have learned about Stephen, we learned that he was so focused on the kingdom of heaven that that's all we need to know. And I want to ask you, who do you want to be? Because when your focus is on the kingdom of heaven, you're unstoppable. I also want to add this. When your focus is on the kingdom of heaven, every step you take is the right step. You can be walking and you're, you're, you're straight, you're, you're, you're walking in a straight line. You're walking on the, the straight and narrow because When you're focused, you're stepping correctly. And I just got to let you all know, when you're focused on the kingdom of heaven, you become a better dad. You become a better spouse. You become a better son or daughter, a better employee. You run your business better. You're a better teacher. You're a better whatever you want. You fill in the blank. But when you're focused on something, everything else falls into place. So I'm willing to bet that this guy, Stephen, was a pretty good dude. We learn in chapter six that he's full of God, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's having a conversation with some of the um, church leaders, and he makes them pretty upset. He says some stuff about Jesus that they don't agree with. He's starting to talk about the temple, and all of a sudden, these guys are getting mad They drag him to the high priest, which was kind of like the political leader of the church, kind of like the Pope, okay? They drag this guy, Stephen, to the Pope, the high priest, and they start making up stuff about him. They're saying, hey, man, this guy's talking about destroying the temple. This guy's talking about all this stuff. That leads us back to where we are, our opening scene. The high priest asks Stephen, he says, are these charges true? And then Stephen says this. I need a volunteer to read this for me. A little small, but I'm actually actually not going to read this all because Stephen goes into this huge rant, this massive history lesson. He's talking about Abraham. He's talking about Joseph. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about Solomon. And he's just going and going. I was reading earlier this week. uh, There was a Bible scholar, and he wrote about this moment. He says, in this moment, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of holy coffee that day because he just kept, ongoing. Now, I got to pause this here again. 
he's speaking to the high priest. He's speaking to a group of people called the Sanhedrin. These people devoted their lives to understanding and studying the scriptures. And here's Steve. Steve is giving them a speech. He's teaching them stuff that they already know. It's said that the Sanhedrin, the high priest, they spent their entire childhood memorizing the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. They memorized it all. And here's Stephen. Let me just tell you the history of our church. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this, man. Imagine you broke a window, okay? And I drag you to the dude's house. And I'm like, hey, this guy just broke your window. And the owner of the house looks at you and he says, hey, is this true? And you go on to tell him the history of the neighborhood. It doesn't make sense. But Stephen ties it all together in this one line. The next verse, it's Acts chapter 7, verse 51. So an entire 50 verses talking about the history of of Israel. And then he says this. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. And it's a little weird, but we're going to get there. You are just like your ancestors, he says. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And then this is the kicker. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. He's speaking about Jesus. He starts this whole rant and then he says, okay, you stiff-necked people. This is that moment. I don't know if you've ever been in an awkward moment like this. You're like talking, all of a sudden someone says something that you know offended everybody in the room. Everybody in the room kind of slunk down like this. Ooh, whoa, wow, what'd he say? Stiff-necked. Stiff, stiff-necked means your neck is stiff. It means you can't look this way without turning your whole body. He's saying you can't see anything else. You're so focused on the wrong thing. You're stiff-necked. And then he says, your hearts and your ears are uncircumcised. And if you know anything about ancient Israel, there was really one thing that separated, separated them from everybody else, the Gentiles, is that their men were circumcised. And here's Stephen saying, hey, first of all, you're stiff-necked. You're acting just like your answers. And secondly, your hearts and your ears, you're just like the rest of the world, man. Stephen was so focused that nothing stopped him. It only made him more bold, more courageous. He says, you've created a bad habit. You and your people, you've created a bad habit. You always reject the one who later saves you. And guess what? You just murdered, you killed the savior. As you can guess, they got mad. Their face got like purple, like at this point. They were like, what? What'd you just say? 
And this is what, how it goes on. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this. So this is like the church council, like the, the guys who are like, they run the church, the staff. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. It's kind of a weird word, right? Gnashed. Like, we don't ever talk like that. Hey, I was so angry, you know, my, my football team lost. I gnashed my teeth. We don't say stuff like that. As a matter of fact, some of you recognize that word because it's also talked about elsewhere in the Bible. That word gnashed their teeth is a word they use to describe hell. In Matthew, it says that hell is a place of groaning and moaning and gnashing of teeth. And here we are comparing the righteous, the rule followers. They're saying they're the ones in hell. And then it goes on to say this. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Here's guys who are resisting the Holy Spirit. And here's Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. And he says this. It says, he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then he says this. He says, look, he said, I see heaven open. I see heaven open and the son of man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Really quick, really quick point. Everywhere in scripture, when it talks about Jesus in heaven, it talks about Jesus being seated at the right hand of God. This is the only spot in the entire Bible that talks about Jesus standing. And so like, we don't know really why. I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time explaining why, but maybe, maybe Jesus is like, whoa, like, hey, I wanna get a better look at what's going on down there. Maybe he's standing. Maybe He's standing with Stephen. Or maybe God knows exactly what's about to happen. And so maybe Jesus is standing and giving him a standing ovation, saying, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We don't know why Stephen sees Jesus standing, but we do know that when he said this, he got the Sanhedrin and the high priest so worked up, so angry that they're about to do something that's kind of hard to talk about with our kids. Because it goes on in verse 57, it says this, at this They covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, kind of like what four-year-olds do, right? Like, I don't hear you, I don't hear you. They're doing grown men, like with cloth and like big old hats. They're like, I don't, ah," they're yelling. And it made them so mad. It says, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed him at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. 
I don't know if you knew this, but stoning was an ancient custom of execution. It's where they took rocks, boulders, and they surrounded somebody and they continually hit him or her with rocks until the last rock kills him. And then they keep doing it. They keep beating the dead horse. They drag him out of the city because they don't want the kids to see what's about to go down. They drag him out of the city because it's a mess and they don't want to clean that up. And he's, he's sitting there and he's standing there and these guys are killing him with rocks. This is what happens. Actually, you know what? Let me pause right there. I need to say something. It's really easy for us to sit in church, read something like this, and be like this. Whoa, man, those guys, are man, they're bad dudes. Wow, they must be evil, man. They, they don't got Jesus in there. Why would they kill him? Like, what do they do? Man, I'm going to be honest with you. It's really easy to be like, well, they're the bad guys. Oh, why would they do that, man? This guy's just trying to talk about... But man, if, if we're honest, if I'm honest, man, we all got stuff in our life that if challenged, man, I'm willing to go to the extreme to protect it. We all got stuff in our life that if they were challenged, we would do something unlike ourselves, sometimes even kill. Some of y'all be like, hey, pastor, you can talk about whatever you want, man. Just do not talk about Saturday night. Hey, Pat, you know, go ahead, man. Preach all day, but make sure you're done by, uh, you know, 1130 because uh, my team is playing. You know, I got a party. Some of you all be like, hey, feel free. Talk to me, teach me, mentor me, but, but don't talk about the way I treat my wife. Don't talk about the way I, I uh, talk to my kids. Don't talk about the way I run my business. Don't you dare touch what I do when nobody's watching me. When I'm on the computer and I'm on the internet and nobody's around and I'm starting to look at pictures, don't you dare talk about that, man, because that's my personal thing. Hey, don't you dare talk about my politics because you know what? I'm telling you, man, it is so easy to point the blame to all these. But man, we all got something. I didn't share this in first service, but I, I, it, I feel like I need to say this now. Uh, some of you guys know a famous painter called Rembrandt. Rembrandt is like this, he's a master, right? He, uh, his first known painting was actually of this scene, the stoning of Stephen. Later, not right now, look it up. And then, you know, what's interesting is that he actually painted a self-portrait he painted himself in the painting. And he's not Stephen. He's not even one of the guys who's like, oh, hey, don't do that. He paints himself as throwing one of the rocks at Stephen. Because if we're honest, we're willing to throw rocks if you touch something that you're not supposed to. 
But when your focus is on the kingdom of heaven, it demands your full attention. There should be nothing else that you're hiding from the kingdom of God. There should be nothing in your life, nothing in your life that is distracting you from the kingdom of God because he wants it all. See, when Jesus says, hey, invite me into your life, he says, I want you the whole thing. I don't want just part of you. I don't just want Sunday version. I want you at work. I want you in your marriage. I want you as a parent. I want you all the time. When your focus is on the kingdom of heaven, it requires your full attention. And it's all Stephen did. All Stephen did was he exposed them of things that they were hiding. He said, man, you're so focused on the law, on the temple. You're so focused that Jesus isn't the king that you're, that you're stiff-necked. I don't know about you all, but man, that, that gets me. This is my favorite part. While they were stoning him, sometimes this took, this is wild. Sometimes this took, they said five to 20, it's hard to kill a human, right? Especially with rocks. This could have been 20, 30 minutes worth of picking up boulders, hitting this guy, picking up a boulder, hitting this guy. Stephen's just taking it over and over. While he was, While they were stoning him, this is what it says. Stephen prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He's dying. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. This man's last words on earth was a prayer for the people who were killing him. It reminds me a whole lot of Jesus. If I I can remind you, Jesus, when he was hanging on a cross, he was hanging on a cross and he prayed this. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here we have Stephen who's getting stoned and he says, do not hold this again. It says he falls to his knees and he says, do not hold these people against what they're doing. Man, because when you're focused on something, nothing can stop you. Not even rude people. And then it says, when he said that, he fell asleep. They could have just said he died, man. They could have just got straight to the, oh, and then he died. And then he, wait, he was killed. But he said, it says, when he said this, he fell asleep. The, the, the ancient Greek word for that phrase, fell asleep, is this word. It's koimao, koimao. And it literally means to cause somebody to sleep, to peacefully and calm, and still put somebody to sleep. Almost like this, it's used elsewhere, when a mother puts a baby to bed 
This guy's getting stoned with rocks, boulders, and it says he fell asleep. Because when your focus is on the kingdom of God, not even death can stop you. His last breath on earth was his first breath in heaven, standing with Jesus. This series is called Unstoppable because it's about a group of people who were so focused, they were so engaged, they were so committed, nothing would stop them, not even death. And if I'm honest, I don't know if that could be said of Christians today. I don't know if that would be said of me. But I wonder what our world would be like. I wonder what our neighborhoods would be like, our schools. I wonder what our families would be like. I wonder what our communities would be like if there were more Stevens in the world. I wonder what Flipside would be like if there were more people, more Stevens who were so focused that doesn't matter what's going on around them. I could be yelled at. I could be clapped at. I could be pushed. I don't care what's happening. I am unstoppable in the kingdom of heaven because that's who you've been called to be. But unfortunately, this is kind of the habit of Christians today. Whoa, hey, I'm up here. Whoa, hey, hey, everyone. Uh, Whoa, okay, I'm focused. And then they start walking and all of a sudden, they start getting distracted. Things start happening in their life. Oh, hey, this happened. Oh, man. And then all of a sudden, it starts getting rocky up here, right? It starts getting a little scary because it's a little scary. I'm not a gymnast, man. This is kind of scary. And they start getting a little worried like, whoa, hey, and I, I got kids now. I got a family. I, I got a job. I can't. Oh, man, maybe if I, oh. and they, they get down a little bit. They're like, maybe if I just sit like this for a little bit, this is safer, And then all of a sudden it starts getting a little more rocky and all of a sudden they get down and they start straddling this thing and they hold on for dear life. And they're thinking, they're like, man, hey, this is fun. This is, this is really comfortable here. You know, this is not dangerous. Oh, my kids are safe. You know, hey, I'm going to go to church, you know, every now and then. I'm going to read the Bible here and there. You know, I might even pray, but man, this is comfortable. You know, I'm not going to do anything outside my comfort level because this is this is safe and then one day they die and they get off the balance beam and they stand before the judge and they put their hands up i mean what's he supposed to what's he writing down what's the you know what's the judge doing imagine if we were watching the olympics We're watching, and this girl gets up on a balance beam and clutches this thing for two and a half minutes, jumps off, does her little dance thing, and and the crowd, what's the crowd doing? What's the judge, what? You think Jesus, you think the Lord is saying, well done? Well done, good and faithful. Man, that was cool. No. And man, I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want my kids to live a life like that. Sure, they're safe. 
Sure, we can protect them. Sure, we can guard them from the, the storms. Of, but man, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to go to a church like that. I don't want to be surrounded by a group of people that the minute something weird happens in their life, they're like, well, I want to be strong. I want to move. I want to impact my kids. I want my kids to know that's a guy, that dad right there, man, he is unstoppable. I want to be so focused that nothing would stop me from walking forward. Because remember, when you were walking forward, every step we take is the right step. I'd rather be so focused there, I don't need to worry about that. When I was just a little kid, my grandma Elsie, she would sometimes sing this song. It was an, it's an old, old hymn. Some of you guys might recognize it. It's called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It says, look full in his wonderful face. For the things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that hymn, but I could not stop thinking about that prayer. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what kind of storms are happening in your life. I don't know what's going on with your spouse or with your kids or your money. Or... But I want to encourage you I want to challenge you that if we had more Stevens, we wouldn't have to worry about all the other stuff. I want to challenge you to refocus because there's a bunch of different types of people in this room. There's some people who are up here and they're doing their best to focus. I'm focused right there, kingdom of heaven. All right, I'm focused on eternity. Okay, I'm focused on something bigger. But it's hard, man. You guys get it? Man, people are yelling at me. People are, you know, I'm worried about what people think about me. I might lose my job. I might, uh, and you start getting all like, I get it, man, I'm there. Man, I want to encourage you. Stay strong. Stephen did it. Not all of us are going to get killed. But I'd rather get killed than sit on my, sit on this, Thing, clutching it. Stay strong. There's some of you that at one point you're like, oh yeah, I'm focused on God. Okay, I'm focused. And then at some point you kind of like fell, it slipped a little bit. And then you're like walking over here. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm not focused. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe I need to get back over here. And maybe you get back up and then maybe you, you fall off again. And you're like, and I want to challenge you to refocus right now. And then there's another group of people that are off in la-la land over here. They're like, man, I'm focused on my job, man. I'm going to be a millionaire, dude. Oh, man, I'm focused on my wife, man. I'm going to be good. 
Oh, I'm focused on my kids. Oh, I'm focused on, man, maybe I'm focused on just being a good person. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna be focused over. I'm telling you, my friends, whatever you're focused on, you're not focused on there. And to get up there, you have to make a decision. It's not just gonna, oh, here, here, no. To get up there, you have to say, Jesus, man, I need you. I'm not good enough to do this on myself. I wanna focus on something that is stable. It says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And what's rule number one? You gotta focus on something that is steady, that is not moving. Some of you in this room need to say, okay, today's the day. So wherever you're at, we all can't point the finger to our neighbor or to those guys. Sometimes we got to say, okay, what's going on here? Because if you're anything like me, I've lived my life devoted to Jesus. But it's an every single day decision. I don't know if it's just me. But it's an everyday decision. I get, okay, I'm refocused. Okay, I'm refocused. It's an everyday decision to say, all right, Jesus, I need you in my life because I need you. I'm struggling. Wherever you're at today, I'm gonna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You can say it out loud or you can say it in your brain. But I'd like you to say this. Say, Jesus, I wanna focus on you. I want to live my life focused on the kingdom of heaven. And then say this, and God, I need your help. And I'm going to trust you with everything else. I love you, God. Forgive me for when I've messed up. I'm yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. May you, my brothers and my sisters, may you live lives that are on track. Jeff, I'm gonna have you come back up here. May you live a life that is strong and courageous May you live a life that is focused. And may you, my brothers, sisters, may you live a life that is unstoppable. Because then, and only then, will you walk straight and everything else will click. As we sing this next song, I'm going to invite you to sing it wholeheartedly, not as a choir, but as a prayer. Because every now and then we all need to refocus. 